welcome to Last Year A DJ Saved My Life, a love letter to music and its power to get us through, in podcast form. This week's guest, or victim, depending upon your point of view, is Lorna Begg. Lorna describes music as pretty much the love of her life, and when you hear her choices and what she has to say about them, I'm sure you'll understand why. For many years, Lorna worked in music PR and counts many household names among some of her friends. Thankfully for me, she managed to find a little room in there for me as well, something I am forever grateful for because she is absolutely one of the very best people I know. I really enjoyed chatting with Lorna and I hope you enjoy listening along. As ever, please check out the show notes or the website at lastyearadjsavedmy.life for more information and to listen along to the songs that we discuss. mother yes welcome Lorna hello 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 hello. Dina I am very very excited yay I'm so excited that you're here how are you I am good I'm excited to talk to you about one of our favorite favorite subjects I think it's one of the ones we've definitely bonded on um over the time that we've known (laughs) each other but yeah I'm good it's been a crazy week but I'm happy out sun's out in Ireland can't complain just back from horse riding so yeah happy out nice you think you might have stolen the sun from us because it has been really really hot all week and then yesterday it just turned into the midwinter oh well you know ireland it's it's uh, all the seasons within the 24 hours so you know yeah. i can even see and also irish people just love to talk about the weather how how are things kind of as you're emerging from lockdown because ireland is obviously in lockdown a lot longer than over here yeah i've been i'm all right about it to be honest with you i think i was fortunate in the situation that i'm in and the fact that i live alone it's not every for everybody definitely in the pandemic it did have a lot of people who are really concerned but like for health reasons and just being able to kind of function in work and look after myself it just I had a really really not a bad experience and also living in Dunleary and seven minutes walk away from the sea wasn't the worst thing in the world mm. now don't get me wrong it has definitely been difficult and in parts and definitely coming out and finding it more difficult because people are around whereas like in lockdown when it was the two kilometer limit or the five kilometer limit there wasn't a lot of people about and also I'd adjusted my times that I was going out so I was either going out between 6 a.m and 8 a.m or from 9 p.m to 11 p.m so almost just like a bat during <laughs> 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 winter time <laughs> just you know just appearing only in the dark <laughs> I have this vision of you now, sort of like, what's that Noel Fielding character in the IT crowd? (laughs) You just sort of gothically appear at really comedic times around the town of Dunleary. Like, there have been Lorna spottings. (laughs) (laughs) But it's been great. Like, so, yeah, the sea swimming all that kind of stuff so as we're coming back out I'm more it's like excited but apprehensive at the same time like I'm excited to see people again I'm excited to hug people again but also a little bit apprehensive about being around lots of people. It is weird and I think you know similar to you because I live on my own it's sort of really lovely and I think I was saying it last week to Rowan there's a bit of a backwards gratitude exercise in it because you sort of be like, oh, this is great. I'm like, I'm in this space. I don't have to share it 24-7. I can just 
go a bit feral if I need to go yeah. a bit feral. And there've definitely been moments. Yeah, it, it won't take me long to get back to normal. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> no, and it's so, it, but it's so like, because you're someone I always just, when I think of you, I always think of you as either on the way to or coming back from a music festival or a gig or something like that. So you spend your time in like really dense crowds and surrounded by people. And it's such, it's weird like to think about the fact that that it's been so long because that was my life for Hmm. oh my god I can't like I think I started going to festivals when I was like 15 and the (laughs) last one would have been just the August before COVID hit and I used to dedicate my years that's what my year was all about was funding those festivals including one year but I did something ridiculous like 16 in a year what like I started in May and finished in October yeah like just went for it I absolutely you know like yeah festivals and music are such a massive part of my life Mm. But I, I don't think I just didn't let myself think about it, to be honest with you. And it has been heartbreaking to watch my friends um, and everybody that I've worked with over the past like 15, 20 years, basically their entire lives gone overnight. Like it's an industry that was de- like decimated overnight. Mm. Um, and it's just it's asleep, which is the good thing, because it will come back. And if anything, it, like now that I see people are starting, like bookings are starting again yeah. and you can see that it's like, oh, well, I'll see you in like eight years time when you get off that tour <laughs> because it's going to be so busy, which is great. And and people are going to want to get back to it. But it's yeah, it's I, I find I just didn't think about it too much because I just couldn't. I couldn't think about the fact that I wasn't going to go to get to gigs or I wasn't going to be around people. Yeah, I just did. And I took one day at a time and tried not to think about the bigger picture too much, which definitely got me through mm. for sure. And and you're so right about the music industry. I think I think we've probably had this conversation and I've definitely talked about it with a few friends about live music being yeah. one of the things that I was desperate to, to get oh. back to. Live music and also I used to have these weird like fantasies of being on a dance floor. And, you know, yeah. like when this song, whatever it might be, comes on and all your friends were just together in the middle of a dance floor yeah. living your very best life. I Yeah. Oh, I was hit by so many of them. Or, like, I think I texted you a few yeah. times. Like, I think I had a, this vision of me and you at a U2 gig, even though we've never <laughs> seen you two together. But I don't even know if we've discussed you two with each other. But it just, I kept getting hit with these, like visions of being with people in a field mm. to certain songs and same I made Caroline as well um and uh Alison just around Florence and the Machine and it, there was it just stopped me in my tracks and I was like I didn't think that's what it was it's like I haven't thought about it in so long but yet it's such a large part of my life and such a large part of experiences I have and memories of people like you know even us me and you at Elbow having all the crack oh, and yeah. like like there's so many gigs that just or so many songs that bring me back to certain memories with my friends or family or things I was going on through my life. And I absolutely cannot wait <laughs> to get back to it. But also, as I said, I am just taking it one day at a time and not thinking too much about it because it is going to be a while yeah. before everything kind of returns to normal. So, and I don't know how much I want to be in. I, I don't know whether I want to wait until it's all back to normal before I, I actually take part in it. Yeah, it's interesting. I I went to like my first live music event in what month are we in now? I think it was the very end of March. 
and I was quite nervous about it. It was Rufus Wainwright and it was down at the city winery, but it was all yeah. socially distanced table service. Um, so everyone, so they had the tables were like, I think eight or 10 feet apart. So it was really yeah. small numbers. He did, it was like a, a kind of almost like a um, supper club or something. He did two shows a night for two nights. No yeah. one moved. So you move to go to the bathroom, nobody's near each other. So everyone's in their little pods. Yeah. And it was very subdued for a live music event, but everybody was just so grateful to be there and seeing somebody yeah. there. Even he was the same. And Jonah's policewoman came out because they're friends and she did a couple of songs with him. And it was quite... Im- I thought you said the Jonas Brothers came out there. I was like, a bit random. Yes. You know that real... That, that, uh, now I immediately want to see that happen. Now I immediately want a Rufus Wainwright Jonas Brothers mashup. Wow, well, I didn't realise they were they were close, but sure look, I'm I'm open to whatever. You know, you never know. Do you? you really don't. I think in, in the post COVID world, you really won't know what's going to happen when it comes to people getting on stage. Well, it seems like people can't make songs anymore without partnering with somebody, so that there's that weird sort of cross promotion thing that can happen. It's bananas. Yeah. Um, I know. Like, I do think that. There is an interesting part in that, though, because I do. There is certain acts where I would love to see a paired back version of the gigs because, like, you know, one of my favorite bands is Metallica, and you're never going to see them in like a smaller environment, really. Like, they're always going to be in the big arenas. They're always going to be, and you know, I love it for that reason. But sometimes I, there is that element where I'm like, God, I just love to see what they would do in like a really small environment, like really paired back. Um, and I know they did their shows in San Francisco, where it is like S and M and S and M two, and that was kind of to be that. But it's kind of not paired back because you have a massive or- orchestra with you. Yeah, you know, it's a huge. So there is elements where I really do enjoy when live music does get paired back to, to that level um, and there's only a certain amount of people in it because it's, it's even more intimate than than an, any other show ever would be. But I also do love the huge, huge gigs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so this is a good segue into your music and music in the time of COVID, like love in the time yeah. of cholera. <laughs> um, how, how did your music listening change, do you think, during the pandemic? It definitely became more concentrated in that I went back over a lot of albums and a lot of artists that are just familiar to me. Like, I think it's just it's almost like company, like music to me, as you know, you're from knowing me is a huge part of my life. It's it is what I always consider the greatest relationship I'll ever have. It's always going to be there. It's ever changing and it constantly gives me new things all the time. And yeah, it's just been a huge comfort during this time. So I definitely went back over like one of the tracks there is like head, like a hope Nine Inch Nails. And I discovered Nine Inch Nails from just kind of researching like grunge and being into Pearl Jam. And I rewatched The Defiant Ones at the start of lockdown. It's a Netflix series on basically the story of Jimmy Iovine and Dr. Dre. Trent Reznor is a huge part of, of that story. And as I was going through it, I was kind of like, oh, my God, I forgot about this. The fact that that's their debut album. And he gave that basically to Interscope Records as a thank you for getting us off this horrendous record deal that we had. And it is an unbelievable album. And, 
you know, Dave, who we both know quite well, myself and himself will get into huge conversations about tracks like this, or he hadn't heard or hadn't spent that much time with Nine Inch Nails. And I love that type of element to it as well, is that even in lockdown, we were still sharing music, uh, even if it was music that we'd already heard, but it was just reigniting that passion for for what it was. Yeah. And then you can see some of my songs, there, <laughs> there's total random um, submissions, but... I always say like first and foremost rock and metal are like my biggest genre like all of my favorite acts come out of it but I have a serious pop side as you can see from um Dua Lipa I am <laughs> yes Dua Lipa got me through lockdown wow that album is just every now and again a pop artist will come out with an album that just changes things and I feel not bad for her, but I can only imagine what it's like to have the biggest album of your career and such a colorful, happy, upbeat, like disco tour album mm. and not get to tour it. Like, and I know it'll come back and it'll be great, whatever, but like that album is just, I cannot wait to go and see her in the three arena. Like I am just going, I don't care. I'm going to dance around <laughs> like a teenager. No shit's given. That also was something that got me through lockdown as well, was thinking about that. Yeah, I think um, you definitely have two very distinct kind of music profiles. Because from, what is it? Head Like a Hole, through to Levitating by Dua Lipa. It's like when you sent me your list, <laughs> I was like, there's Lorna. There's Lorna. Yeah. Definitely like the metal rock, like don't fuck with me. Like you've got this real substance, like you bring like a metal attitude to things, but then you know, turn around and you're in sequins and living your best life on a dance floor. I know. My mate Danielle always slags me. She's like, You literally dress like a Christmas tree. Like you just are so attracted to shiny things, like a magpie. Pop, I think, definitely for the age I am as well. Like if you look at when I grew up in my teenage years, it was so dominated by pop music that regardless of your tastes, it was hard not to get sucked into Britney Spears, Backstreet Boys, all of the above. And, you know, Dua Lipa and The Weeknd, Lady Gaga, that is the now version of that. Yeah. So your five that you listened to your songs through the pandemic, you've mentioned like Head Like a Hole, Nine Inch Nails, Levitating, Dua Lipa. Um, and then your other three are Blinding Lights, The Weeknd. What a track. Stupid Love, Lady Gaga and Metallica, Spit Out the Bones. Mm -hmm. Going first with Blinding Lights, The Weeknd. And it is, you're so right, like what a track. What did it do for you during the pandemic? I think like looking at the list, actually, when, when you say it back to me there, it's just it is about that escapism. Like he created that album, which was that futuristic. Um, I, there is a lot of artists that I found in lockdown. I was getting, um, I was listening to more and more of that type of music. I, I do have like a huge passion for sci-fi and, you know, um, it is, a, it's pure escapism. It just brings you somewhere else that you're not. And then same with Lady Gaga. It's just, it's, they just bring you somewhere else. Yeah. It's, it takes you out of the pandemic sitting in your living room. Like I live in a, in a one bedroom apartment. Mm. So my pandemic was lived out in two rooms. You needed something. And it's not that I don't like watching TV. I just didn't want to be staring at screens for what would have been if I was working eight to 10 hours a day and then would go and watch a movie like crazy amount of time. So music got me through because it was my escapism from being online 24 yeah. seven, even though it's actually weird now that I think about it. It's like the tracks that I chose, a lot of them are actually about being in that, <laughs> in like a digital sci-fi world. But um, 
Yeah, I just really love that kind of synth production sound. Because they're all three of them, like Levitating, Blinding Lights, Stupid Love. They're all very up. They're like the big track. Did you find that you were going for like those sort of pop tracks because it was like a shot of energy and like a kind of impetus to move when you were in your two rooms? Yeah, it does. I use music a lot for motivation for like going out for a walk, going for a workout, anything like that. And definitely when it comes to like metallic spit out the bone, like that is a track that you just no matter what you're doing you will you will get energy from that track and um, it is just pure energy same with head like a ho- head like a hole it's a different it's like that aggression whereas the pop tracks are just it is like a shot of energy but just in a different way just running around your apartment like and just being happy and really excited <laughs> to do the dishes you know <laughs> this is the type of music that motivates me to just yeah get moving with my day and do what I need to do or if it's starting to lull at lunchtime or whatever I need and also when it comes to certain parts of my job can be very um numbers heavy a lot of reporting there's you know you just need to kind of focus and sometimes that type of music is just the best way to to get me amped up to get through an hour worth of um load of reporting yeah I have um (laughs) if I if I have to write a report or presentation and I can't focus which these days is all the time because I've got like the attention span of a Labrador (laughs) if I need to focus it's always the human league's dare slash love and dancing yeah, and that's it. It's only about an hour long, but I just listen to that on repeat over and over because I just love it. Uh, because it is again yeah. synthy, and there's something very sharpening about that kind of music. And I don't know if you got a chance to to watch the Julie stream. Julie went about it the way that I wanted a, an artist to go about it. It was so well thought out. It, they filmed it live and then streamed mm. it. And like, there was just even little things like you could hear her outfit move, like just oh, as wow. she was walking from set to set. And they did it in uh, Printworks in London. So they just had loads of different sets to walk through it. And I was like, this is what I wanted from artists. Like, yeah, I can't, I cannot wait to see that show. Well, it's, in. it's creativity though, isn't it? And I think that's it. Like when, yeah. when we've got these really difficult constraints, the really creative artists and you know the teams around them I guess find opportunity in those constraints rather than yeah. going well that's it we just can't do anything and yeah, yeah. she's fine she's um, got the money behind her but but also production is something that I'm just you know me like I love it like I love when I look at like any gig I go to that's one of the things that is a huge part to me if a band has been lazy with production it actually takes away a lot from the performance for me mm-hmm. and that all of the the bands that I mentioned in that none of them are lazy on production. No, it's quite the opposite. It 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 actually helps tell the story of what they're trying to get put across. You know, there's not one track. Actually, there's not. I'm reading. I'm looking through the list of everything I gave you. There's not one act there that isn't massive on production. Yeah, it is. It is actually. You've got a list of people, and they are go hard or go home. It all quite yeah. different, but absolutely go hard or go home. But again, I think that's when I saw things you'd chosen and I was like, that's a very Lorna list. Because I, I think that's you as well, though. I think you're, if you're going to do it... A big production. You're a, you're a big, in-your-face production. <laughs> I am a big production. No, yeah. but I think you're sort of like, if you're going to do it, do it. That's That would be yeah. like a mantra that I always think is applied to you, or I would apply it to it's you. Not fuck around. <laughs> But tell me about like Metallica and Spit Out the Bone particularly, because you said they're your favourite band. Yeah, they are. And 
this is just it takes me back to a moment in Slane Castle when I last seen them mm. and it was I was standing with my mate Paul and we made friends with these two guys from New York who'd seen like they were I think it was the 12th show on the tour they've gone to or something crazy I just remember <clears throat> remember when it started I, and I could still even when I hit when the track starts now it just brings me straight back to that moment and even though of course it was raining it was slain for God's sake, it was never, <laughs> not, never doesn't rain when you're at that gig but it was just brilliant and the energy that comes off that track like I don't want to say like it reminds me of early days Metallica because I don't really like I'm a big believer in like artists release it's a snapshot in time mm. it's what they went through at that point and even though yes you can have bands like ACDC who basically have been releasing the same album <laughs> <laughs> all the time but it works for them you know but Spit Out the Bone would be similar to a lot of their earlier work the production value of it is higher but it's just got serious energy out of it it's a brilliant brilliant song there's no there's no time where I listen to it where I'm not pumped to do whatever straight after it's like it's just like yes I'm excited volume goes up let's go love it yeah do you know it was so nice listening to you your list because I don't listen to a lot of that genre of music at all if I'm honest but I like a little bit of it every now and then I mean I can listen to a little bit of like Led Zeppelin and and that sort of thing but yeah like Nine Inch Nails Metallica would never have been my jam but it was so nice listening to them because I completely see how it can fuel a mood or motivate you or like push you to do something like that one's bit out of the bone in particular is it's such a track yeah and also like I do do it it isn't for everyone like that type of music but I do always anybody especially when we were younger because you know where this is such a differentiating and it's such a huge part of like who you hang out with and you know who are the metalheads and who are into dance music like dance music definitely for I I know this was global but in Ireland as well like during when I was growing up as a teenager like that that classic Ibiza era Mm. like was huge like huge it was such a huge part of my life and I found like when I um, started working in music full time and working at festivals, a lot of the bookings you'd see like those huge metal acts, but then you'd have like huge dance acts as well, because a lot of metal rock fans are really big into dance music. They are more open, I think, to to a lot more genres that you have come in the opposite way. Um, whereas when people are generally into chart music, like I remember, I can't remember who said it to me, but they were just like, I don't listen to music. And I had just come out of a record label. And I remember sitting in that office being like, what? And whoever it was was like, yeah, like I don't, I just, yeah, music, there's stuff on the radio and, and that's what's on and I don't know who they are. That, like, that who are these blows my mind. It's like, <laughs> I once had a housemate who said, I don't like comedy. And straight, but wow. straight, yes, right. It's straight. But that's what, what like, it just. I'm like, so you don't like joy. You don't like laughing. Yeah, <laughs> just like a life without music. Wow. I don't. I don't even want to know what that is. To be honest, a life without music. I can't even begin to imagine. No, as I said to you, it is. It's the going to be the greatest and longest relationship, the most more most consistent I ever have in my life. And my earliest memories of my life are all about yeah. music. Like this, I'm going to admit something really embarrassing, but my earliest memory of music was. You remember the Birdie song? I do, yeah. Yeah. So my parents got that on a seven on seven inch, and I there's this image of my dad's face burnt into my head, which he I could just tell he was like, "Don't make me play it again." And I used <laughs> that's to not where I thought that was going. Of the, <laughs> I used to sit in front of the record player player and be like, "Again, again, again, again," just just constant. Wow. And. Wow. 
um uh, my mum my uncle is really big into music as well so that was on my mum's side my dad was always really big into show bands that was always on my mum's one of the biggest queen fans I've ever met in my life and um, she's really big into ABBA as well and I think it's just yeah it's been a never-ending story mm. one that yeah will hopefully never ever end you talk there about the birdie song taking you back to a certain moment and you've picked five tracks that do that as well You've got yeah. Alanis Morissette, Ironic, Spice Girls, oh. Who Do You Think You Are, Def Leppard's Hysteria, Gossip, Standing on the Edge of Control, and Ed Sheeran, Sing. <laughs> Which one do you want to talk about first? I think I, I think I nearly did these in order. I think I did. Um, Alanis Morissette, that album, and actually the Fuji's The Score, were the first albums that I bought with my own wow. money. And I still remember the whole experience. I still remember going into town. I lived in Port Marnock at the time. I was hanging out with um, a group of people who were about three years older than me. And I generally, that was a, it's been a theme through most of my life. I generally hung out with people who, who were older, which had such an influence on my music. Influences, the, those people were really big into um, Smashing Pumpkins mm-hmm. at the time. You know, they had gone that way. And then, a lot, that album was those two albums were huge yeah. it was back in the day where you know album cycles were just so long like so long and like that album I think generally I don't want to like just put it to one gender but I, there is literally no females of my age group that did not have oh that god album. no no yeah yeah I mean there I remember when I worked in Warner Music they had it was like a 20th anniversary um re-release and they did like a, a sing-along party to that album up in MVP and it was like insane pickup on it like it was just it was an incredible moment in life and as I said to you I remember still to this day going into town still getting I actually think it was it was it was on tape they were both on tape <laughs> and I remember coming back to Port Marnock and sitting in my room on the windowsill and just playing them consistently like all the time yeah. and still now when I hear any of the tracks from that album but especially ironic because that video i think was on repeat on mtv that's the one where she's 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 all four passengers in the same car isn't she yeah yeah it was yeah. it was everywhere and her different outfits um and then the fuji's the score like again another massive album um huge influence on me as well for for many different reasons i think as well like fashion was such especially that age like i was what 11 maybe 11 I hate you. Yeah, 10 or 11 <laughs> when that came out, came out. So it would have been um, just like all the sussed flares and like, you know, No Doubt as well we're about. Um, yeah, it's just an amazing moment in time. But Lannis Morissette, I think, is just reminds me so much of my childhood and my first move into being an independent woman, being able to, to buy my own It's a big things. moment in your life, though, <laughs> isn't it? When you kind of go like, you're not just the recipient of music, but you're actively, for the first time, you're starting to knowingly carve your music library or your taste in music or something. Yeah, the first album. And also the like the fact that it, it's yours, like even though it's a shared experience with, with mm. so many other people, like that was out of everything in HMV, that's what I yeah. chose, you know, that that was my choice and that's what I was doing, even though obviously it was hugely influenced by marketing. <laughs> <laughs> um, another reason why I love music so much is because it, it does bring people together in that that language of being able to like verbalize stuff that you just are, are maybe too young to do at the mm. time which of course I was too young at, th- at that stage to be able to understand a lot of what was spoken on that album but 
you when you meet someone then who is a fan as much as you are you automatically know that's like oh we have something in common straight away this this is great we can be friends it's so funny you say that as well like not knowing what the lyrics are because there's some lyrics in there that are pretty um adult and you're 11 singing along at the top of your voice in your bedroom I was the same mine was um some Nana Cherry and I think I got given it for my ninth birthday and he used to just like rap I mean (laughs) I'm like a white girl from a working class town in the north of England so when I say rap it's definitely you know let's caveat that heavily but I used to kind of like sing and rap along with it and they're just like especially on the b-side I remember it was on in the car my mum being like oh it's not quite aware and I was just like giving it socks in the back of the car you remember doing that amazing thing because like salt and pepper were huge as well and you remember you used to like I used to cough when I knew that there was like rude parts coming (laughs) up you'd just be in the car being like (coughs) trying to like get by it but of course your parents knew what was going on it's the musical equivalent Um, of watching a sex scene with your parents (laughs) Yeah, the shoes at the end of the bed as the <laughs> camera just pans away. Um, yeah, there's loads. There's loads of moments like that. Like this list was definitely hard to to get down to five tracks because even that moment in time was was huge. Because like obviously NWA as well. Yeah. That was another yeah. side. I was such a big fan. Obviously, very different than the street Compton streets of LA that I grew up on. But Marnock. <laughs> you know but again shared experience me and my brother were such Mm. fans i remember we had all the la raiders radars gear before we even knew what it was was i just remember like yeah even in like grubby old stockport like everyone walking around in these like la raiders bomber jackets just being so jealous no idea what it was so influenced by by that that culture and i think as well that's why i would always say watch to define the ones as because it talks about like all of that and how it all came about the story of it but your next the next track that actually brings us nicely into it is the Spice yeah. Girls and yeah like Alanis Morissette I think represented freedom in a different like freedom of speech in a different way but she like obviously was from a land far away for me at that age anyway like the Spice Girls were just normal girls like they just blew up on the scene it was huge and it was just about getting Mm. out even Mm. though like I didn't even know what I was getting out of but it was just they were such a huge influence and that who do you think you are again as we were talking about the other tracks it's that production value it's that in your face huge sound and the video but it was just on rotation so much and it's so ingrained in my head and yeah it's just again it's and one of those tracks that just brings me right back to that stage in life where I think you were definitely well I was definitely moving into like being Mm. a teenager and having not only now moving from buying my own music but buying my own clothes and like those buffalo runners were huge you know like the adidas tracksuits with the um you know miss selfridge heart tops and like all of that type of stuff was huge at the time and so innocent like so innocent which spice girl were you i was always a mix between jerry and sporty but mainly jerry i was just always fire yeah yeah i can see that i can see that always fiery and just a little bit different amazing um so big tonal shift then for your your third song that that kind of soundtracks a key moment which is Def Leppard's Hysteria such a big such a big influence on my life um huge band uh, 
as you know, have worked in music mm. for, for a very, very long time. Def Leppard are a huge part of that story. And um, Joe, especially with how long I've known him and just there's something about that track that it's really familiar. And like it was created before I knew him. It was on an album that was that came out the I think I was three <laughs> when it came out. So I have no it's not as if, you know, my why it is such a, a key moment in my life. But it always just reminds me of that period of how how close we were and all the stuff that had gone on and the albums that were made when I was there. But it just yeah, it's just such a fucking amazing track and I just absolutely love it and it just always makes me smile every single time I hear it but it does remind me of him and that moment in my life and how influential our conversations were and how he shaped how I went into music like I don't think he even realizes I have said it to him before but I don't think it's ever synced in um but like we used to watch the Friday night rock show together I don't know if if you ever remember watching that um and he used to just talk me through all of his favorite bands and his tracks. And he very w- much was a second dad, mm. like to me in ways. But it was it was a, an experience and an education that my parents were never going to be able to give me, mm. you know, and not not in a like creepy or weird way. It was just, again, like similar to the Spice Girls. He got out. He didn't have to live this uniform tick the box life where you do this and you do that and you get a mortgage and you have kids. It's like it just equals freedom he just had a dream and he made it happen it's a definite trend throughout tracks and bands that I gravitate towards or people who don't come from good backgrounds or they shouldn't not that they shouldn't but they just put everything into getting the odds are against them so 100 percent do you think your relationship with him and, and meeting him when you did in your life I mean it's what a gift from the universe to have that sort of mentor come into your life at that time but do you think he is a big yeah. part of your whole knowing that you can get out and knowing you can carve your own path on your own terms do you think he he kind of sparked that in you yeah I think I always had had that part of me where I just don't see like blockages anywhere anything is possible if you have the right people around you and I think I always had that in me but not that it's like my parents made every single thing happen for us that they could within Mm. their means but he just represented a world that I don't even know why I it felt really familiar or why I knew I was going to work in it or something but he just ignited that he is the same person in the back there's no no in his head like if he wants something to happen it'll happen and it's I think you get that from coming from nothing you know what I mean if you if you spend your childhood dreaming of getting out of the scenario you're in and wanting to live a different life that's the result of it he definitely shaped that in me for sure I don't think he needed to ignite it too much his way of going through life is that it's like if you want it then go and make it happen but also the greatest thing about him is like he's just normal like they're all normal the whole band are just even though famous from such a young age like literally went from their parents homes to like out and tour with um early day acdc and you know uh, ozzy osbourne touring the world and they pretty much never stopped and when you listen to it do you just get that yeah like home it's like a hug yeah all of their a lot of their tracks are, are like that especially the ones that I was in the house when they were producing and, and making those albums but there is something about that track I think once you when you get the personal stories direct from artists about how they created mm. something as well it can give you a different level of understanding or appreciation for that track and 
I also think the sentiment of it is just, yeah, it's something that just makes me feel warm inside when I, I think about that. it or listen Gorgeous. to it. Gorgeous. Um, the next one on your list then is gossip and standing on the edge of control. And you've already laughed. <laughs> oh, I know, because it's just, it. this remarks when I moved to, when I moved to High Wycombe to mm-hmm. go to uni. This was my move of getting out of Ireland. Uh, I always wanted to work in music. Just, it seemed like such a distant thing till I met Joe, obviously. And then it became a more possible thing. And there were so many doors that, not opened, because I don't, definitely didn't use that to my advantage, for sure. Like, not at all. I actually went the complete opposite way and I refused to, for refused yeah. to do it but I had worked my ass off to uh, get into a uni in High Wycombe I was moving country I was so excited I had a really great group of friends here I had a really great life in Ireland and I remember the first night I got to um, the UK I had just come from a party with my friends and we had such a great time and my parents drove me down I remember getting into the hotel the night before I moved into halls and the next day and I closed the hotel door and I was like you don't know anyone in this country (laughs) this was a really stupid move like this was a really stupid move and I couldn't stop crying my parents were in the other room crying I think this was like the official, you know, this is it. It's still the the baby flying the coop, isn't it? And of course, me at the time, there was so many choices I have made where I didn't just, I just really didn't think about it that much. But also, like, I I get fueled by that energy, though. Like, making yourself uncomfortable creates amazing things. And to to circle back to that track, why this reminds me of is because when I turned on the radio that night, this was one of the tracks that was starting to blow up. So you can imagine that time in when I lived in Wickham, which is only 40 minutes away from central London. Um, it was a music college. Everybody was there for the same reason. Um, we had uh, just such an amazing group of friends who ended up working in loads of different areas of music, but it just was such a moment in time and gossip were huge. Like they just became so big. And it was that amazing um, moment where like you had like the electric ballroom mm. gigs. There was just so much going on in London and that was all over the radio. There was, yeah, again, it just always re- can bring me exactly back to, even though it was quite a tragic in that room, but I also remember walking down like, the high street going to my first PR job in college in London listening to that and just like skipping through the streets and just being really really excited but even like the title of it like standing in the way of control it's just you know just on the edge of just going for it and letting go and just seeing what happens like what a what a way to mark the beginning of a chapter in your life I do think that that is definitely the anthem for for that period of time for me and so many of my friends yeah big time and then Again, mood shift. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, like, kudos for you to actually finally getting me to listen to Ed Sheeran properly. But you chose Sing. Yes. Why? Sing is, I was the same as you. I returned from Sydney and got my dream job in Warner Music. And Ed was just about to release this album. And I remember my boss at the time bringing me into his office and saying, I'm so excited. Like, Ed is back. And I was like, I don't care. Like, I don't even know who this person is. <laughs> Obviously, I knew who he was. Like, I knew he was popular, but he's definitely not my buzz. So when this started to, um, the conversation started in the office, I realized how big of a deal 
this was and um, that he was coming that he was coming out with an album and sing was the first song that we played in the office he obviously has ties to ireland his granny lives mm. in wicklow and the way the album was released was they did these small shows in different locations and one of them was in vicar street and a year later he did three sold out croke parkings wow again it just reminds me of that moment where like that was one of the biggest album releases I was ever a part of. And it was something so different to 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 what my passions are. But, you know, when you talk to someone like him or anybody from any band who has worked their asses off to get there, yeah. you can't help but just be a huge fan of them. Like, you know, yeah. I, it is something that I shouldn't be a fan of, but well, not shouldn't be a fan of, but wouldn't normally listen to. But hats off. That's wonderful. And it's really great, even just like you say, to have played a small part in something like that. And yeah, you can root for somebody without necessarily being your cup of you know, tea. He's still, it's still not something I put on now, but still always brings a smile to my face when I see him on TV or if I hear that song. Yeah. That's brilliant. And then I guess, yeah, you picked three songs that shift your mood. And I love each and every one of them. But again, the first one is definitely the um, <laughs> the sequined pop queen version of Lorna, which is Katy Perry's teenage dream. Yeah. Yeah. Katy Perry was one of the first artists that I worked with in London in a PR agency. She was over for uh, I Kissed a Girl, met her in very casual circumstances. Like it was just basically she was doing a signing. She was doing loads of press and loads of radio interviews. She wasn't the Katy Perry that we that we know now. But when Teenage Dream came out, that album, it was it was again, it's back to Warner. Like it, it was such a, a pivotal time for me in Warner. I used to have to do these huge reports. And there's something about that album album that just makes everything else switch off and I'm able to just mill through a load of work and just not even think about it (laughs) yeah it just always shifts my mood it's but it's just so joyful and fun that whole album is just it is a young woman in love and kind of giddy about it I mean forgetting it's Russell Brand (laughs) but also like she got out she made her dream happen this was her dream album she wanted it to be exactly what it was again it's I'm noticing as we're talking and going through this theme (laughs) my my tracks are what moves me are, are people who get their dreams who get to make their dream album you know and that was her that's a, it's a great theme yeah it's somebody that because you you can't hide that that passion from somebody or somebody who get who finally gets to do what they want to do same like metallica's metallica saint anger like it was a album that caused uproar with so many people and don't get me wrong it's definitely not my favorite album of theirs but i have massive respect for the time they released it which was a time that digital downloading had decimated so many careers basically Mm. and uh, the music industry was really struggling and a lot of artists were being told to sound like certain other acts because they were the big sellers and it was kind of the start of 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 that in a bigger way and they just said yeah fuck off like (laughs) our snapshot in time I, you know, half of them were in rehab or whatever they were going through at the time. And it's like, yeah, it's not the best album, but this is what was going on during that. It's time. a genuine expression of how they were feeling, where they were at and their point of view in that moment in time. And my way to think about that with, with, with bands that get that big and you hear those those conversations of people are like, oh, like that album is not, say with you too. It's like, oh, that's never going to be like the Joshua Tree. It's like, 
lads, they play for three hours. I need to go to the bathroom. So I kind of appreciate sometimes when they bring out stinkers <laughs> that you know that they're going to play. Because like, I can go I need pee. to go to the bathroom or the bar. <laughs> but, you know, if it's a perfect, perfect all the time, I just don't think it's genuine. Yeah. Like, Okay. Daft Punk and One More Time is your next mood shifting one. Daft Punk. This is so many different factors to it. It's mood lifting just because of the general song itself, but also you would have remembered Q music channel mm-hmm. back in the day. And I have always had issues with sleep and um, would have been very much a night owl when I was younger, even in school, would be staying up to like three, four o'clock in the morning. And this was this video was always yeah. on repeat. And if you remembered that video, it was, God, this is such a theme. <laughs> That's what I'm only realizing now is this futuristic like world. And it was just such a different video to, to anything else that was out there. This was one of the reasons why it shifts my mood is because I just remember again just being so blown away by the production and how like what they did with the, that animation and that whole world that they created. And also the song is just unbelievable. Yeah, then your your last choice was Toto Toto Africa. Africa. <laughs> what a what a track. I don't even think I need to explain this. Like Toto <laughs> if anyone is not a fan of Toto Africa, I am not a fan. <laughs> <laughs> That's the bar. It is just such Yeah. It's such a mood shifting track, but also uh, on the day that um the marriage referendum came true for for Ireland. Um, I was in town with two of my best mates, Danielle and Alison, and Toto were playing in Vicker Street that night. I had no idea. Oh, my God. And the three of us went and it was electric like and I just remember the heat they were actually filming the segment of it for a DVD and we were up at the balcony in Vicker Street and the production guy actually had to come over and tell me and Alison and Danielle to calm down. <laughs> Because when it came on, we were like, yes. But it just reminds me of moments like that, like that amazing day. Or just every time it comes on, it just makes me so happy. Like, yeah, it's some of the words in it are just so funny. It's just like, how did you bring this into Oh, it's ridiculous. Like trying to get like the word Kilimanjaro into a jacket. No, it's never going to scan. It worked. It really works. I remember having a very funny conversation with a guy who didn't even know. And he was saying that he was like, is Kilimanjaro a real place? I was like, oh, God, this song is so educational on so many levels. <laughs> it has so much to him. Oh, like, yeah, it brings up so many amazing things for so many people. But it, it is like if somebody would say to me, I don't like that track, I'd be like, oh. You probably then you have to ask them: A, do you listen to music? And B, do you like comedy? Because I feel like the Venn diagram of people. (laughs) Yeah. Do you like to laugh? Do you embrace joy in your life on any level? Um, Oh, it was so good. Like, so I kind of when I get everyone's songs, I just put them in a playlist in the order that they give them, and then just sort of play it while I'm either walking around town or doing housework or whatever and then I just at the end of that it's like and you're like yes it's here it's all oh this has been so lovely thank you I have two quick fire questions for you go for it question one if there was one track on this list that you would like to implore people to listen to which one would it be it would be 
Oh, this is tough. Um, I am going to go with Death Leopard's Hysteria. Why not? Why not? You will be brought on a musical journey. Yeah, there's just a lot in that track. Brilliant. Last but not least, is there anyone that you would like to hear one of these episodes from? David Power. David Power. How did I know that you were going to say that? Yeah. David Power needs... Do I know his middle name? <laughs> Aloysius. I believe it's Aloysius. It's David Aloysius Power. Yeah. Esquire. David Power need to do an episode right he has an amazing amazing musical taste i would love to hear what he would bring to the table yeah he's a gorgeous soul so i will i will twist his arm just bully him bully him into doing this (laughs) 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 forewarned is forearmed yeah i'm totally i've been trying to get him on it for for days um thank you so much this has been really really fun it has been so great to chat to you um and i can't wait to see you again 